Um, we're talking about steward and excellence. We talked about last week about like the, you know, if you've heard the parable of the, the, the two or the three stewards that were supposed to uh, care for the things that the master had given them. And what he ended up doing was uh, two of the three did really well. One of them, or one of them had a lot, one of them had a little more, a little less, and then one had just a little bit. But the one that didn't actually take up on what the master had said, which is he said, invest, sow, do these things. The two servants did it. The one servant was scared of his master and actually buried it. And he's like, I, I, I don't even think I could do anything. You're too much of a harsh master. I could po- couldn't possibly get anything out of this. And I, if I invest, I'll probably be wasted. And you expect too much of me. And just had way the wrong understanding of who God is, who his master was. And his master said, well, fine. I'm taking the things I've given you. And I'm giving it to the other people because you did not steward it well. We want to be people of stewardship, a good excellence. Um, We've talked about how as believers, we, we recognize that everything we have is a gift from God. Danny is a gift from God. He's a gift. God has given us both the privilege and the responsibility to take care for the things he entrusted to us until he returns, whether it be our emotions, our thoughts, our bodies, our relationships, ministries, abilities, resources, and possessions. And here's the thing. We live free from comparison with the knowledge that everything we do is for his eyes only. We don't do it for man, right? We don't do it for praise. We do it for excellence because he's the one that looks and sees and he's excited about it. It's for him. We do it for him. So we aim to store the gifts in our life with excellence in order to get the pleasures of one day hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I'm going to recap just real quick. We talked about us. What are we stewarding? We are all stewards, so what is it we're stewarding? We talked about doing things with excellence, not perfection, because, you know, when we do it with perfection, a lot of the times what we do is was, um, paralysis by analysis, which is what my, Jim, I've never heard that until I heard you say that. It's, it is that idea of we, we, we anal- analyze everything we're going to do, and we don't want to do anything if it's not going to be perfect. You know, but even like Lisa's art, I think about how beautiful that thing is, but is it perfect? No, but it's beautiful. And if she didn't step out and do something and actually pursue it, it would not be what it is. And it is beautiful. We, we, we love what it looks like, but she keeps perfecting it. She's doing it with excellence, not perfection. And we need to be satisfied, not complacent. It's tricky because we want to be happy with where God has put us, but not complacent to where we're not asking for more. We want to see God do more, increase. He never just does something half-hearted a little bit. He wants about, he's always about multiplication and increase. Um, and I loved it. We went through this huge, huge list of things that you guys have said, calling, time, home, talents. You guys were writing these things all down, people in our lives. These are the things we steward. Our prayer life, relationship with Jesus, blessings or possessions we've been given, church that we've been put into, circle of trust, knowledge and wisdom, Environment, I forgot to push enter, apparently. Bodies, our physical, our mental, our spiritual uh, positions in life. There's a lot of things. Purity, wow, I really messed up that typo right there. Okay, testimony, that's a huge thing, to steward your testimony. The revelation that God's given you, the discernment, the word, these are important to steward well. So purpose, I think it's really important to understand we first... Before you do things well or do things with intentionality in your life, what is important to you? What is important to you? What, what's, what is your purpose? So I've got those little papers. I don't know if they're still there. I want you to write the top two to three. Maybe I'll, I'll give all I'll, I'll, I'll three. 
top three things that are the most important things in your life. You don't have to write it like a big book, obviously, because I don't give you enough room for that. Um, but just like, just bullet points. You can just, I mean, it's for you. You're going to be remembering this, so just write it down. I'll give you a minute. And there's pens, by the way. There's, there's pens on the, ta- the chairs. If you don't have a pen, let me know. There's extra pens and there's extra paper over there. You can raise your hand when you're done or if you have a question. Which is actually kind of tricky. <laughs> if you only have one, I'll allow that. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's more things. It's just hard to think of it on the spot. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can, you can pick this or you can pick anything in your life. What is important to you? Like, you think about these things I've mentioned or, like, what is important to you? It might be your job. It might be your kids. It might be, I don't know. I'm not going to give you too many answers because I don't want to, I want you guys to pick it. I want you, it to be important to you. All right. Do you guys feel good or do you need a little more, like one more minute? I'm assuming one more minute. (laughs) All right. I feel like more eyes are up than down, so that's good. So what is important to you? We aren't called, so I I think we're called to a purpose, right? We're called to, we we weren't born by accident. We know that we were born on purpose. We were born with a purpose. Um, You aren't in the place that you are in your job, whether you're, 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 you're at home with your kids, you're not where you are in station in life. You're not here by accident. You're either here to live in obedience. You're either there and live in obedience or walk in repentance. So like, okay, so you're like, well, what about the circumstance where I'm not where I want to be, but I am where I am on purpose. So God has called you. Like, again, we think about the, the um, prodigal son. You could say he is exactly where he needs to be when he's in the pigsty, Right. That's kind of a not fun place, but he repents, and then he goes back to obedience. So wherever we are, we are there on purpose. We're there for a reason. We're there for intentionality. God doesn't do things by accident. I mean, case in point, Exodus 9, 13 through 16. I'm going to read part of it just to give you the understanding. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. For the very purpose is he talking about Moses or is he talking about Pharaoh? It's Pharaoh. He put him that there for that specific reason. He's like, and that kind of sucked though a little bit. Just if you think about it for just a second, you're like, wait, I'm here so that you can crush me so you can show how powerful I am that you are or whatever. Like that's just like, ooh, that's, that's a really tough position to be in. But he's, that's the whole thing. He doesn't do it in unintentional. He guides you in the place that you are in life for a reason. The question is, why? You have to ask him, why, Lord? Why do you have me here? It's so good. I think we were talking about that. We've been in life. Stop asking why, why, why? Just asking, the, changing that question to what are you doing? How are you going to restore this? Things like that. Those, those, changing the question. Stop asking why. Because God is the God of why. He knows we don't need to know sometimes, but we do need to know what he is doing 
and how he plans to redeem the things that are broken, we need to ask those questions. But God put Pharaoh in a place to show his glory. Wouldn't that be cool to see be said of us? Hopefully not his position, not in that way. We don't want to be the guy that's like, wow, I, you, you, turn, you let my heart get hardened, and I, I'm now having to be beaten down a little bit by a bunch of plagues. So that's not a fun place to be in. But we want to be stewards to give God glory. We want to, him to be glorified in where we are. And I think about uh, Job 42. This is also a hard person to be around. Job was not having a great time. Let me tell you what. He did not have a good time. Oh, knocking things over. No, it's all right. <laughs> but if you think about like Job's position in life, losing your family, losing your home, losing your health, losing your finances, that's not a fun place to be in. But God had a purpose. I don't know what it was because we don't need to know the why. We need to know that he's in control and he's okay. Job replies to the Lord. This is after, well, I would say about 30 to 35 chapters worth of uh, debating, maybe more. <laughs> There's a lot of chapters of debating through Job of why, and, these, and his friends are like trying to figure out what is wrong with Job and why God ha- definitely did this on purpose to destroy him because Job is, must be wrong or something. They're just trying to figure out the why. They're just spending out time for the why. They didn't ask what God is doing. They forgot to do that. But Job replies to the Lord because the Lord comes in. He's like, okay, let me speak for myself. Let me speak because I know what I'm doing. And Job replied after basically Lord rebukes Job and rebukes the friends. Job replies, I know that you can do all things. All things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. So if you ever think that you blew it and you're in the wrong place where you are right now, guess what? You can't thwart God. You cannot thwart him. So your plan, your purpose, your, where you are is very important. You need to be asking what? Keep asking, what, God, are you doing? Why am I here? This seems like the worst place that I could possibly be. And Sam, sometimes I'm sure you ask that about the Lord, like, I'm at McDonald's. This is the worst place. <laughs> really? I'm here for a purpose? You are. You're there on purpose. I don't know where God's leading you or where you're gonna, if you're going to stay there, but here's the reality. God has you for such a time as this. And here's the one thing I love. I, love, I mean, I'm just going to go through it. There's a lot of verses. I'll be sending them out. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's his purpose. We need to align our hearts. That's why it's important. Like whether we are in agreement and obedience or whether we are in rebellion and need to repent. We are in there. We're at the, the place of repentance on purpose, and we are at the place of obedience on purpose. It is not unintentional. God is doing a work in us. What are your purposes? What is God calling you to do? Look at these little papers that you write. Like, what are those little things? Okay, you've written them down. Now, the question is, how much time do you give to what is of value? These are value, right? These, we're stewards. We're stewards with excellence. Are you hot or cold? How much time do you put into what is of value? It's very important because we've been good given to be stewards of these things. Not just, and I think it's really important to ask the Lord, am I, am I cold? Am I hot? Am I lukewarm? Am I wishing I was hot? Am I wishing, I, I'm sad that I'm cold, but I wish I was, where are you in this place? Because, you know, we know that, well, I'll talk about the verse here in a second. But God does not like lukewarmness. He'd rather us be hot or cold, something, intentional, driven. 
We want to be passionate. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. If you have to ask of the days evil, yes, they are, because you just have to look around you. The days are evil, and they're not getting better. They're getting worse. They're not changing. So your environment's never going to change to where it seems convenient to live in the purpose of God. You just need to live in the purpose of God. It's never going to change. It's never going to get better. You need to be the change in your heart. You need to actually shift and realign yourself to say, I'm taking advantage of every opportunity. Am I hot or am I cold? Am I giving the most of what I have? Am I pouring in my investment? Okay, so you think about the things that you love doing. I tease my brother about this a lot, and I love David. If you've ever known him, he wanted to be a medical person for some reason for very, very, way too long of a time. But if you ever knew him, you're like, you are not medically minded. You're not even, you don't like science. You don't, like, you don't talk about these things. And I would always laugh every time, like, oh, there goes David trying to study, you know, and do these things. And he's going to study. He's going to, because it kept feeling like, I'm going to be a doctor. Okay, I'm going to be a nurse. Okay, and this, this is, for those who are nurses, I'm not saying you're less than a doctor, but, you know, you know the time spent. And he's like, then he said, I'm going to be this. And then he kept degrading what he was going to do down to a lower standard of position. It's like, hold on. Do you really want to do these things, or is it just because there's an influence? Like my parents, you know, my dad's a doctor, so therefore, yes. And he was very opinionated. Um, he just he would always encourage us to be medically minded. And if that's not evident, I have nine sisters, and most of them are nurses. There's a reason why. <laughs> my dad's a very good persuasive speech. Now he and he offered opportunities, but they were very excited. So, but back to my brother, I'd always laugh. I was like, David, you just you don't like medical stuff. I'm not saying that to like break your heart. I was like, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I see you get excited about other things like people and I see you get excited about this. I was like, and he's like, well, I just need to spend more time. I was like, well, David, if this is really important to you, no conversation would get in the way of being in the room studying, right? Like when you want something, you go for it. You close the door, you slam the door. He's like, well, it's just everyone distracts me. He's like, no, it's your, it's your fault. He's like, if you want this, Tell us to get out of your room, you know. If you want this, you will go to a coffee shop. If you want this, you will pay for the school. If you want something, you'll go for it. You don't want it. You're not hot. You're cold. And you're kind of like right now you look warm, which is even worse because like I'd rather you quit and then try it again and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Now he's a blacksmith, and it made so much more sense. I was like, wow, dude, you're just like the Lord knows what to give him, and he loves what he does. But he had to surrender and die and give up. He stopped. He went from being lukewarm to just saying, I'm cold. I don't want it. I'm done. Now what, Lord? And so now he's where he wants, God wants him to be. And again, he wants us to be hot or cold. Give up and let it go or be passionate about it and go for it. And he, man, thank you, Lord, for redeeming the time that he was trying to figure that out. Um, I just think it's so important. Like, we want to be, like, when you think about our kids or our, our, our families or our jobs or our, our friends, like, there's, there's really nothing that gets in our way. You become very intentional about what you're supposed to do when you know what God has called you to do. When that paper, if it's on that paper, it's important to you. The top three things that you can think of, nothing's going to slow you down from pursuing these things. In Philippians 2, 12 through 13, Therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, 
But how much more in my absence? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act and according to fulfill his good purpose. Because that was the problem with the steward that didn't steward it well. When he was absent, he buried the giftings. He buried the talent. He buried what God had given him and didn't steward it well. He didn't, he didn't take advantage of the time that while this master was away to do something with it, to do something, even if it was investment, do something with it. That was what the master said. You could have put it in the bank. It would have really yielded something. Instead, you just, it's still the same value, but now you've done nothing with it. I can't trust you. While I'm gone, I can't trust you while I'm here. I'm giving it to somebody else I can trust. I want us to be trustworthy with the stewardship. God wants us to work. We work because we don't do it by ourselves. We work in him. We, he works with us. And we want to fulfill his good purpose. Like when you think about Danny, I want to fulfill the good purpose in Danny. I want to see him come to know Jesus. That's beautiful. When your kids start talking about Jesus, that's beautiful. When people, you're, like at your job, when they start getting the love for the medical field, you're like pursuing and you're like helping them have not compassion fatigue, but you're like push past that whole why and say, Go back to love. Go back to loving these people well. Like when you can figure out how to do that, and you can, that's such good stewardship. That's so beautiful. It's like you don't want people who don't get it. You don't want to steward it unhealthily. You want to see it. And it just, it's a reward to your heart to see people get it. And it's a reward to God's heart when he says, look what you've done with your gift. I love that. That's beautiful. In Revelation 3.15, this is so important. He says, I know your deeds. This is Jesus to the church. This is not a fun word, let me tell you. I know your deeds and that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. That's not good. You don't want to be vomit. (laughs) Do you want to be spewed out? He's like, God. He wants us to be fervent. It's not because he's just trying, like, just a mean old tyrant God that expects so much, which is, you know, what the, the steward was, his problem was he thought the master was such a tyrant, expected way too much. He's like, no, here's the thing. Do something. Invest. Give it your all. What if you did give it your all? What if you gave yourself permission to go 100% after this thing and actually do it as unto the Lord? Because I am good. And yes, I ask a lot I ask everything of you, but give it. It's worth it. It will be worth it. And he celebrates that. He celebrates that. I think the reason why we don't steward it well, or we have made, I'm just asking, do you feel any of these areas like you're like, I don't know if I've given it all. Like, I'm kind of holding back a little bit because I'm, I mean, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear of what God's going to do. Maybe it's like inadequacy, fear of man, fear of your own self, you're like self-doubt and like, you're listening to some voice, which, I mean, is the enemy. Um, he likes to speak doubt into our situations. He's like, oh, you, you're, you don't have anything to say. He likes to, you know, bring us down. He doesn't like us to be empowered in the Holy Spirit. He doesn't like us to do what God has called us to do. He likes us. That's what he does. He works in fear. Fear of man, fear of rejection, fear, fear, fear. He wants us to be doing nothing. He's like, bury that gift. Go ahead and do it. Do nothing with it. He's like, then I'll have won. He's like, but we need to say, God, I repent of passivity. We need to repent of passivity. And we need to count the cost. Because it's important that we count the cost. Like, 
before you build a building, before you invest, like before you build into Danny, you're like, okay, hold on. Is this going to take a lot? Is it going to take, I mean, because once you become a mom or a dad, like you don't stop being a mom and dad. You, once you start, you are that, you're done. You count the cost, you're like, all right, we're in. <laughs> before you pick a degree, like whether you want to be a nurse, like it's going to take a years, it's going to take time and effort. Is it worth it? Do you love it? You have to ask your students, like, okay, you're going to have to count the cost. I mean, I know. I'm going to, say, I'm going to pick on David for a second because we've talked about, <laughs> talk about counting the cost. We asked him to help us out with finances. And, uh, and you're, you're a guy. But let me tell you what, long before you were a guy, you counted the cost. You took time. And I'm grateful because you do it well. You steward it well. It's a beautiful thing because, like, if we don't count the cost, if we don't count that cost, man, it's so worth it when we do because we're like, okay, for better or for worse, I'm in. I am in. We need to, oh, I forgot to change the thing. There we go. What would you give up or sacrifice to pursue what is of value? I know a lot of people don't want to give up their time with their friends or vacation or things and all the things because they don't want to have kids. That's why they don't have kids. They don't want to have kids because it's inconvenience. It's very inconvenient. Is having kids is inconvenient. It's just not convenient at all. There's no convenience about it. It's awful sometimes. And you're like, I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. But the kids are still talking. But then there's moments, and praise God, there's little brief moments. I think that God makes them so cute because otherwise, I don't know what would happen to them. They're just really cute. Like, thank God for that. But he just redeems that. He's like, okay, count the cost though, because that was the one thing. I mean, like, I'll t- testify to Michelle. Like, me and Michelle were married for 10 years before we had kids. That's a long time. It was a really long time, and Michelle, I love her, and I'm so grateful for her because if I would have just been like, you know, let's just do it. Who cares? Let's just do it. You know, like if I was the, you know, because I wanted kids. I was like, I'm a big family. I'm ready for kids. Michelle's like, no, I want the heart for kids. I'm like, we'll get the heart quick. (laughs) And so that took a long time, and I prayed, and he's like, man, Lord, just pray for her. And he just kept convicting my heart to pray for her and to give him everything. He's like, you know what? Give it to me, and I've got it. Give me everything. Invest everything. And just, like, put to death, count the cost, because it took a long time. And Michelle, I love her heart. She's like, Lord, I don't want to do it because it's my duty as a wife to have kids. I want it because I want it, because you want me to want it. I want that. I want what you want. And she counted the cost, and the Lord redeemed that time. And, man, he's redeeming it. <laughs> We have a fourth one on the way, so we're redeeming the time. Um, but I'm just so grateful. Like, but if I look at Michelle, every time I see her, I'm like, you're a mom. You're a mom. It made me mad how fast she became like a mom. And her, before we had Judah, like, she just, it made me mad a little bit. I'm like, wow, you're, you're, you've, you've flipped on the head. You've, like, you've counted the cost. And it, so, it seems so, she's just hot. She's all in. She's in. She's not giving up. She's not stepping back. She is in as a mom. She will never stop it. And she's always, she's like, I want to get better. And she's researching. She does everything. But that's because, first of all, she counted the cost. Long before she had a kid, she counted that cost. Man, thank you, Jesus, for that. In 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 6 through 10, it says, Therefore, we have always, we are always confident, and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are. We are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the, bo- from the body and at home. Oh, hold on. 
let me look through this. <laughs> it's one of those moments where I copy them. Like, I know my, my mindset. Oh, this is, okay. So verse 9, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are home in the body or away from it. So when we're not here together, we're pleasing the Lord, right? I think it's easier almost to please the Lord when we're here together as a group, right? And then we go off by ourselves, and we're like, oh, okay. I'll see you next Sunday. I'll please the Lord then. He's like, no. (laughs) Nope. It's still time. It's still time. Whether we're home in the body together or we are away from it, I want to please the Lord at all times. Because we're going to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. While we're here, we want to be pleasing the Lord. While we are here, we want to do it. We only have one chance in our life to say, yes, Lord, or say no. I don't want to say no. We need to be trusting that, okay, we live by faith, not by sight. You don't see Danny growing and being a man, going on college and being successful yet. You're living by faith that he's going to live that long and he's going to grow in that way and you're going to be able to speak into that. It takes time. Faith, not sight. You're not seeing it. And he's going to cry and you're like, Danny, what is going on, dude? Like, <laughs> like what's going on? Like, or my, you know, I remember Elliot. Like, I cannot believe the man that he's becoming. He's still little. But he's still becoming something new. But I, could, I remember when he was born, I'm like, man, there is no way he's ever going to love me. He, he likes his mama way too much. <laughs> he just loves. But I love when he's like, he loves me. And I fought for that. I don't live by fit, like sight. Because if I live by sight, I would react to everything. But I'm like, Lord, I'm pr- doing this for you. So the things that are not seen, I'm still doing it. Prayer. That's something that's Man, it should, if it's not on your top values, I'm going to suggest it to put it up there. Our prayer life is a good stewardship. We can pray on this side of heaven and ask for things and move things in the Spirit. We can trust the Lord that He's going to do the things that we ask, He asks us to pray for. Like, I think it's so important that we pray not by sight, but by faith. So we want, we're going to be judged by everything we've done, whether good or bad. That's scary but also awesome. So when you think of the sweet things, and he's going to point out the things that you didn't even think anybody saw. He's like, I saw you. I saw you. I think as moms, I think that's going to be a sweet time. Mary Lou, I think there's going to be some moments there. He saw, saw you. You're going to think, and there's no way. There's no way anybody cares about what I did. That didn't seem so insignificant. He's like, I saw your heart. I'm going to pick at your heart. I see your heart. You love them well. You love that person well. You said something well. I heard that you said that. I loved your heart. But also, he's going to see the superficiality of our hearts too. And that scares me. I want to be hot. I don't want to be cold. And I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be all in. So he's going to point out the things in my heart. He's like, I saw you. And yes, your words were flattering to the ears of men, but not flattering to me. I want to receive what God has in store for me. I want to do it not by sight, but by faith, trusting that when I'm running hard after it, when I'm calling the cost, that it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Luke 14, this is the whole idea. Oh, I should have made this a little bigger. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to read it to you. For those who can't read, I'm sorry. I knew there was one of the slides I didn't, yes, divide it up into two and whatever. Um, but this is, this is large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turned to him and said, and he turned to them and said, uh, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation, you are not able to finish it. Everyone who sees it will ridicule you. They'll say, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. (laughs) Or suppose the king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the others are still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Like, I quit. I can't do this. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Because there has to be an abandonment. When you're pursuing something you love, there's an abandonment of who you are, who you were. Like, when we're pursuing Jesus, we abandon everything that we are as a person, as our old man, we, we abandon it all. We pursue Jesus. I think it comes from blessing Jesus. Because when we do whatever we do, we talk about worship. Whatever we do, we do as under the name of the Lord Jesus. We don't do it for man. Like when you're do, teaching classes, when you're raising your son, when you're, when you're doing these things in life, it's not as on to man. It's on to the Lord. We do this. And when he doesn't, we don't think he sees it, we still do it for him. We don't do it by sight and say, God, oh, look, you blessed me because I did this. It's like, no. Maybe there's no blessing on this earth. There's still the blessing in heaven. He's going to give us the blessing. But we do it, and we do it. We count the cost. We run the race of endurance, laying aside every weight. That is the purpose. That's our purpose is to bless the Lord because all these things become secondary. Our, our kids, our ministry actually becomes secondary. First, we minister to the Lord, and then we can do that. We need to be a good steward of the relationship with Jesus. If we don't have that relationship, steward that relationship with Jesus where we trust him, where that, that steward did not trust the master, he didn't steward that relationship well, did he? He thought, man, my master is harsh and expects way too much. That's a lie. He did not, I mean, the other guys did it. They were motivated to go and do something and invest. They're like, look what we did. And they're like, that's awesome. Good job. But the whole point is like, man, I want to steward it well. I want to Abandon the things that I need to leave behind and go for Jesus. Go for broke. Invest into my son. Invest in my kids with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength to love them like I love Jesus. Because I love Jesus, that's why I can love them well. So when I steward myself well with my teaching, with your teaching and, and with your work and everything that you do and the counseling and, and whether you're doing finances, you're doing it as unto the Lord or and I just, we do it with purpose. We do it with the purpose of loving Jesus so if he's not the first on our, for, our, our purpose to love Jesus first, then all these things will be added. Stewardship and excellence. When you love Jesus, you can trust Jesus. You can do things onto Jesus. That has to be your purpose first, your stewardship first, your excellent spirit first, and then all these things. Then your kids, then your jobs, then wherever you do, then the church that you're part of. When you guys, Steve and Robin, when you guys find another church family, you can steward that well because you first love Jesus. Man. 
But here's the thing. We don't do this alone. We do that in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We get scared. He helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And we know this is the part. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. To love him and to love one another. Those are the, good, the, the great commandments, right? The two greatest commands, he says, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love one another, to love your neighbor. So I just want, I, I want you to look at that paper. As you spend this week, this is the whole point. We're going to draw it out. You're gonna, as you go through this week, I want you to draw out what is it God is calling you to do, because I think that's Proverbs 25. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Holy Spirit, draw it out. We, we, I don't think we've ever even taken, I mean, when you start looking at something with a purpose and you actually start intentionally start opening it up, like, I don't know, give me an example. Like if, I, Barb, I'm gonna pick on you because just right there. No, but I think about when you think of like loving your students well and you're like, okay, well, I, you could just approach it like a job and teach them. But when you start opening up, like, okay, Lord, how do I do this with excellence? That means my studies have to be excellent. That means my material has to be excellent. That means the way I treat my students has to be excellent. That means, but I don't do that because they're going to come back and say, man, you're my favorite professor. Like, no, maybe you, you might have been the worst because you're tough and intense on them. But you love them with the love of Christ and you called them out. But you have to ask the Lord, how do I do that first? Because some of it may seem rough. Some of it may not seem fun or friendly. But you're like, I want the best for them, so I will expect harder things. I will challenge them harder. But you need to be asking, Holy Spirit, draw this out of me. Also, you need to be asking your friends and your family. This is your family, this spiritual family. You ask them, how do I do this? Draw this out of me. This is a passion of mine. Maybe, and especially Keith, as you're talking, like, I want to pursue his purpose. Like, how, draw that out of me. Don't let me go. That's what life group is for. It's accountability. It's a calling higher. I want to go higher. I want to go farther. I want to run the race of endurance. Champion me. Push me. The runners that run well run together. Runners that run by themselves don't run near as fast as they could. We run together. We run together. That's what the whole point. We don't do this alone. We do this together. That's why we do life group together. This is nice, but this is, I think, a preview of what life group feels like. It's running the race well together. We get to encourage. I love getting to encourage you guys. I love every time you guys share. I love everybody who shares. It's such a beautiful delight because we get to call each other higher every week. We get to champion each other every week. We get to mutually encouraging one another to good works to keep going, to love your son well, to do these things well, because that's what God has called us to do, is to love him well. But, oh, so I just want to invite you to stand up, just, and just stand up, sit down, whatever you guys feel comfortable with, but take your paper and just look at it and just pray. Pray over these things. Pray over these desires, these purposes, these hopes in your life. I just want you to look at it and just pray it, Lord. Invite Holy Spirit to speak into you, speak into your purpose there. Or maybe the, another thing came up that just actually wasn't on the list. You're like, Lord, why wasn't that on the list? Just ask the Lord, Lord, 
Have I given it all? Am I really pursuing you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? Am I really doing it as unto the Lord? Or am I holding back in some way because of fear? Maybe I'm holding back because of something. I don't know what it is, but Lord, reveal that to me. 